What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, entrepreneurs, hustlers, CEOs, innovators, people in and around the world uh, that they're in their thing, they're on their grind, they're building on something they truly believe in, they're anti-status quo, people don't understand them. (laughs) You guys all know how this goes. And uh, every week we have guests that can understand exactly where you're coming from. They've been there, they've done that. Um, you know, and, and they're still going through it, which is, is, the, is the main part here, right? Is that we don't glamorize or glorify end success. It's not overnight. And, uh, you know, we, we firmly believe that um, every, everybody is going through a human experience, period, end of story, right? And our guests are no different. And we're very grateful that each week they come on and they talk about what are they learning in real time uh, about themselves, about their business, about their companies, about their dreams or vision. Um, and sharing more of what's really happening behind the scenes uh, and less less glamour. Although our guests are genuinely happy, though, too. So I want to stress that for sure. I uh, appreciate each and every one of you guys around the world. Um, the community is constantly growing. You guys keep reaching out. You keep uh, commenting. I say this each week now because uh, I'm 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 grateful for how much you guys are doing it. And, um, and, you know, and for how much you're also interacting with our guests, they really, truly appreciate that. And I've got another exceptional guest this week. We've been trying to schedule this for a little while, so I'm really stoked to have him on. And uh, we're going to be talking about driving culture at scale. Um, and first, let me, you know, before we get into that, just a couple of formalities, you guys. Um, for those of you that are newer to the podcast, I'm Matt Gottesman. You can find me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram or at HDF Magazine or at Hustle Sold Separately. You guys know I answer each and every single one of your texts, DMs, replies, you name it. I appreciate each and every one of you, which is exactly on point for today's topic about driving culture at scale. Um, everything is about community, uh, whether that be you and your business partners and associates, you and your employees, you and your customers, you and the community at large. Everything about your brand has to have your culture embedded into it. And most importantly, that you understand the culture, that you're creating culture with all of these people combined. That's how I believe you can get a culture at scale, but there's a lot more to it. There's leadership, there's management, there's an understanding of yourself, there's your own growth, there's your, your colleagues' growth, there's your customers' growth and what they want, um, you know, there's their lifestyle and how does that embed with yours and a million other things. So today's guest is perfect for that because I've got Scott Marcasio, uh, co-founder and CEO of Myo Detox and, um, you know, give you a little bit, I'll give you a little bit of a background and, uh, and, which is phenomenal. He's got amazing experience. So definitely the person to be speaking about this topic uh, and then we'll just dive right in. Um, so I mentioned Myo Detox, uh, Chief Executive Officer. Life, it, it's a lifestyle physical therapy brand operating 10 locations across Los Angeles, Vancouver, and Toronto. That is not easy to do. Uh, and through the power of their brand first approach and industry-leading social media strategy, Scott has led Myo Detox to forge ongoing partnerships with global brands, you know, small ones like Nike. I'm sure you guys have all heard of her Equinox and Lululemon. 
Um, and prior to that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Scott was an international correspondent working for the South. <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> working for the the South China Morning Post, tasked with creating macroeconomic reports on key European trading partners in Asia. That is n- that is no small feat, people who you guys are listening. And if you need to, please go Google the, <laughs> what goes into that. Uh, and then he later joined Baltronic Group, a Scandinavian telecommunications company, to successfully lead their business expansion into the Canadian market in a director of sales role. So he was fit for entrepreneurship uh, long before jumping into it. Um, he graduated from Western University with a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology and speaks frequently on topics such as entrepreneurship, employee engagement, branding, and company culture. Scott, what's going on, brother? Thank you for being on the show, man. Bob, man. Thank you for having me and appreciate the intro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, the first question is always the same um, for everybody. And then that's where we can take it wherever we want to go. And it's, you know, how did we get here to today. Now, I know I read a brief bio on you, but that will never serve the kind of context that the audience would get from you telling a little bit about the story and then, you know, what happened pre Myo Detox that led you to go into Myo Detox and then how we got to today. And then and then we're going to start ta- really talking about, you know, how do you uh, tackle, you know, driving this this idea of culture at scale, which I'm sure you've already started to do long before you even got into Myo Detox. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's every story has what looks like a straight line from the outside. Um, but, but behind the story is always the zigzags and, you know, really not understanding how everything plays out. And, uh, for me, it started pretty early. I, uh, I was just a fairly creative kid, always lost in fantasy books, playing a lot of video games and, you know, going to school was kind of the least exciting thing in my life. Um, so pretty early in like my mid teens, my first kind of business, if you want to call it that was flipping world of Warcraft accounts and, you know, buying and selling accounts and uh, really just leveraging video games to make some money, uh, mostly because I didn't want to have a part-time job. Um, and from there, it was just the next you know five or six years, got really into health and fitness, enjoyed personal training, managing gyms. Um, and as I was finishing up university, it, it kind of struck me of, you know, I do need some sort of career path. Uh, but up until that time in my life, I had never really held a job for more than a year. I just, uh, not the best at, I would say, taking instructions and I always, um, you know, when someone gives me a set of rules to look at, I, I typically try to think how else that I can accomplish it a little bit quicker. So I went through a, a number of careers, as you mentioned through my intro. Um, I started working for a Hong Kong company, doing some economic reporting, moved into the telecom space, which I really loved, uh, just the challenge of learning technology and uh, not having a technical background. It was a lot of fun to jump into an industry that was very technical and uh, having to teach myself uh, a lot of stuff from scratch. And so it was a very winding road up until the point at which I met my now business partner, Vin, uh, who's a physical therapist. Um, prior to meeting him, I was, my hobby at the time as I was going through my career path was Olympic weightlifting. And I was beating my body up uh, pretty aggressively as many young males do and ended up having a pretty significant back injury. So for the two years when I was, while I was working in the telecom space, I was having chronic back pain. I was seeing therapist after therapist and whether they were a uh, physical therapist or chiro or massage or trying to do hot yoga. Nothing really got me over the line to being pain-free for more than a week. And just as coincidence, I had a mutual friend uh, text me one day, said, listen, man, you've got to meet this guy. He's the best therapist I've been to in Toronto, uh, which is where I was living at the time. And uh, I know you guys will hit it off. I'm like, cool. So he connects me via text and Vin hits me back at like midnight on a Tuesday, which I was like, this is kind of bizarre. I've never <laughs> interacted with a therapist like this. 
Um, but he got me set up for a session the next day. And I, at this point, I was in like pretty bad pain. And because I was flying back and forth to Europe quite a bit for my, my job, uh, I was just in bad positions. I was always sleep deprived. I was dehydrated. And it was, it was a real frustration for me at the time. Um, so next day, I show up and to my appointment. And I show up to this barber shop. And all the lights are off. But this is the address he gave me. So in my head, I'm like, what the hell is going on? I knock on the door. No one answers. I'm texting him. He's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then like, I see someone moving through the dark and the door slowly swings open. And I see this like Vietnamese dude with a backwards hat wearing Jordan flip-flops, holding a sugar-free Red Bull, kind of like rubbing sleep out of his eyes. And it's early afternoon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, like this is the guy. And, uh, you know, so we, we walked through this barbershop up to the second floor, which is like a two-bedroom condo with like beige carpets. And there was just these like, $50 treatment tables popped up in, in the room. He's like, all right, let's go. And gave me an assessment. It ended up giving me like an incredible treatment. And we just really hit it off like from the moment we met. Um, and this was kind of my, my entrance into the healthcare game. And it was, it was complete coincidence and you know, really came from me being a client or a patient. Um, I started seeing Vin every week and he was like, the, you know, within three or four sessions, I was out of pain. I was feeling really good. And if you ever meet Vin, he is this incredible marketer, networker, uh, but he's the most disorganized guy in the world. So I came on board uh, to really help him just to, to build on the operation side. Um, no intentions to leave my full-time job at the time, but the business started humming. We blew up on Instagram and here we are like four and a half years later. <laughs> yeah, and here we are four and a half years later. I mean, it's incredible, man. I, um, what 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 about it really resonated it, it really hit me hard when you were saying um because you're you know you're in pain you're sleep deprived you're working on your body um and to make that leap from what you were doing with your full-time job into this i mean yeah i know it was taken off but like there was some something also really attracted you to this opportunity too like what was there a shift or was there something in there that just like you know what there's this just feels good this just feels right um, regard that, that helped a little bit more on the organic side because like growth happens, obviously we can force growth to happen too, but then there's also that growth yep. where it's like, it just feels right. And it just kind of keeps growing, you know, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to just quit my job. Cause this just feels right. Was there like, was there a shift? Was there something that was happening? Yeah. So we were, I think it was about four months after I'd met Ben and things were starting to hum. We hired a few therapists. Um, but even at that time we, we didn't really have the intention that we were going to scale this outside of Toronto. Um, but we had this period of weeks where I just kind of started looking at some of the people coming on the team. And I was, I was putting in long days at my job and then coming back and you know, I was getting down to the clinic at seven or 8 PM and working there till you know, one or 2 AM with Vin trying to work on the business. And I just had this moment one day when I was like, you know what, if I don't go full time, this thing will never reach its full potential, whatever that may be. And at the time I think I had a much smaller vision of what it could be. Mm. Um, but I was just, you know, I was enjoying my job and it was a challenge, but, it, it, I just always had this feeling like I can be doing something bigger and I can be applying my skills in a, a, a much more impactful way. Um, and as like a side note, you know, something I went through younger was uh, I had my mom pass away when I was 13. Uh, she just had an aneurysm out of the blue. Um, and, you know, later that day it was gone. And I think that experience stuck with me of like how short life is. And I just, I saw this opportunity of like, hey, I can, I can hit this sweet spot of, where I'm passionate about where my skill set is. And it feels like a time in the industry that I can really, you know, make some strides. So I just had this, 
this call with my dad that night, I remember, and I was, I was kind of humming and hawing because like for the first time in my life, I was making like a pretty good salary and I was like, shit, like, do I want to give this up right now? And you know, I just, he said this one line that I'll always remember, remember. And it's like, if you're going to do it, do it when you're young. And I was 25 at the time, no mortgage, no kids, no real responsibilities. And like what I knew was I could always go back to selling stuff like sales and marketing has been my career. And you know, at the end of the day, if things blew up and I was a year, a year and a half down the path, like I always had that, that confidence that I could, you know, come back from nothing. And that was totally fine. Um, and once he said that, I just went home that night and I thought about it and then quit the next day. Beautiful. <laughs> well, you know, um, I, now, first of all, I didn't lose a parent at 13, but losing my father a couple months ago really did. It was a very spiritual experience. And you're right. It, it, time is different. Time is much different when an energy that you're bonded to is now gone and you, you, it feels differently. You can see it and, and, and have an interact with it in a different capacity that time is like, it's, it's not promised and we have to do something with it that makes sense for us uh, and just keep moving. Like we, we can't sit and, and stew and worry and all this other stuff. And then the other thing also um, I wanted to ask you, and then we'll, we'll start talking a little bit more about, you know, culture and whatnot, because obviously that's what you guys are doing, especially in your expansion. But um, when you said you, you had a smudge, a, a much smaller vision of what it could be. Um, sometimes I feel like people almost pressure themselves too much when they have too big of a vision and scare the shit out of themselves before they ever even get into the market. Um, yep. And within your case, you were saying, okay, it was a much smaller vision, but you were still ready to move on, like on, you know, forward with it. Um, do you like that process of allowing the vision to also expand while you expand? Do you get kind of where I'm going with that? Dude, totally, totally. And I, I honestly, I think that's the only way. Perfect. Like the Thank people you. that Thank start you. from day one and are, like think they're going to conquer the world. They're typically so delusional that they get three <laughs> months in or six months in and they fucking quit. Yes. Right. So for us, it was always like, if you actually spend time with like real entrepreneurs and real business people, like not just people selling courses on Instagram and shit, but like people that have built like a legit business, it's never like, they never start with this vision of what it can be. It, it's always this like stumbling forward of like, what's the next logical step? What's the next logical step? And like, it's like a case of the further you go, the further you can see. Right. And, but I think where a lot of people get confused about entrepreneurship is they think you start day one with this fucking huge vision. Um, but it's, it's just like such a, a delusion. I, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because you just can't get that much done in a year. You can't get that much done in two or three years. It really takes, you know, five to 10 years to come into your own as a business owner. And, you know, everyone wants to get this thing done tomorrow. And just, it's not how, how the rules of life work. Boom. That's what I was hoping you were going to say. I'm actually going to put that on repeat for everybody. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> no, it, it, it's, I don't, oh, how do you feel about that? Uh, no, it, it, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, um, I think it's okay to have a a vision of the kind of impact like, but, but, imp, but once you start saying goals and I'm going to take over the world, and I'm going to, this is like, no, 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 no. Like if you're uh, like, if you're saying like, I want to create better health for, for people, you know, um, worldwide, what does that yep. look like? I don't know. You know what I mean? And, and so that's where, even when people have said with some of the stuff with like uh, our media and other things, it's like, how far do you want to take it out of this? I'm like, I'll keep you posted. You know, what does five <laughs> years look like from now? I'll let you know in five years. And yep. it's a very uncomfortable feeling for a lot of people because they have to attach themselves to like, no, 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 you got to give me something. And, you know, such and such book says you need it. I'm like, I'll tell you what such and such book says in five years, you know, yep. <laughs> because because um, 
there is that organic for as brilliant as the human race is, is as dumb as we can be sometimes when we attach ourselves to things when there's so much greater that can potentially happen um, if we allow it to expand organically from just being in the market and creating and understanding what the market wants and like, oh, and then not only that, but aren't there external factors like like in health and wellness and new techniques and new new technology that comes out that didn't even exist, but now that's going to be implemented into your guys' business, right? Yep. You know, so. Yeah, I think ultimately like having if you're too rigid on your goals, you just become so unadaptable and the world changes so quickly. And, you know, I think something that I found interesting after my mom passed away was like through my teens, I got really into like self-help and like reading a lot of personal development books and all that stuff. And it, it's such a recipe for like a dissatisfied life because you're always setting these goals so far beyond where you are. And, you know, you look at where you are and you wake up every day and you're like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And what I've learned the last three or four years, especially is, by actually not setting goals and being very fluid with how we achieve, you know, kind of the, the overall direction and the impact that we're trying to go. Like, A, I'm way happier every single day, but two is I think we're a lot more creative with how we, we show up every day. So, so true. I, I You're right. I, I, rem- <laughs> I removed the goals and it was weird. I, I suddenly started to feel um, light. I started feeling yeah, like you're I could, happy I could with breathe. yourself. Because yeah, it's good. You're not you're not chasing anything anymore. No, yeah, well, removing that chase is key. And then, of course, I also realized, and I even wrote about this a little bit yesterday. Then you got, that's when you have to also start managing your your intake of other, other information, <laughs> so you don't get out yep. of that. You know, um, I want to talk to you about culture because mm-hmm. you know what started off in Toronto has now expanded into multiple locations, including Los Angeles. And, um, you know, first of all, uh, you know, I had said previously I wanted to talk about building culture, what it actually means for a brand, because I think, you know, you see so many versions of this out there. Um, what does that mean for you, like building culture? So to me, culture is, you know, if you put a group of people together, something emerges. And to me, it's like the collective decisions, direction, uh, communication values and all this stuff that's very hard to quantify. Um, but, but when I, when I break it all down, ultimately it's like culture is this like tangible feeling. Anytime you interact with any single one of our team members, like you should get that glimpse of like the vision of the values of the drive. And that's what we try to permeate through the whole team. It's sure. And then, and you know, and and culture also expands so much, um, you know, into the team, into the people you're serving. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. like that's a whole other, that's a whole other level because brand loyalty and brand ambassadors, um, when they continue to keep coming back to you and then they continue to keep referring to you. And in your case with health and wellness, like they're feeling better, like you're impacting their lives. And that creates community and that expands, you know, regionally, nationally, and in your case already now starting internationally and beyond. So there's Mm -hmm. a, there's a, there's a lot that goes on, um, you know, in, in maintaining this culture. What do you, what do you guys, what are some of the things you guys do? Like, how do you, how, uh, well, I guess, how did it, how did the expansion happen? What, what did that happen? So when I met Vin, he was one of the first therapists putting out a lot of content on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, more educational content. And like at the time, his goal was just to start changing the conversation around how people took care of their bodies, right? So reactive, people show up to a therapist by the time they've blown something out versus 
taking more of a longevity approach and you know getting a monthly tune-up for example so when i met then he had a maybe two thousand followers on instagram and we kind of hit the sweet spot of when the instagram algorithm was really rewarding uh educational content and you know fast forward four years he's now at like 600k on instagram and up until last month like we had yet to spend a dollar of paid marketing to grow this company you know across now i think 11 brick and mortar locations and over 200 staff um so instagram was was so important to getting the message out there and that that to me was like the tip of the spear on culture it's like what's the the consistent message going out to both the team and um uh, and, and your clients or customers. And, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with like, how do I, how do I create culture in my company? And what I've, what I've learned to realize is the first five to 10 hires you make in the company will set your culture almost forever. The trajectory will be so set by those first five to 10 hires. And it's not something, if you're like a solo entrepreneur, it's really tough to, to create culture because it, in my mind, it's, it's like when energies are crossing and like people are throwing ideas around and like you're starting to build this cohesive team, the culture starts to, to manifest and starts to get settled into the business. Hmm. Um, and then everything stems from there. It's like that, that seed of culture starts to grow over time. And that gets permeated through the marketing messaging, through the brand partnerships you choose, through who you choose to hire, right? Who's quote unquote a culture fit? Like how do you determine that? And ultimately you determine that going back to like who's going to vibe with the rest of the team and who's going to be able to, you know, push out the message, uh, the way it has been being pushed out. Yeah. You know, and you know, kudos to both of you guys. It, it, it also does start at the top where you guys have a certain vibe and energy and frequency. And that also attracts, you know, the, the type of people that, that you can vibe with as well, that are passionate about what they're doing, that they want to contribute to the value of this brand and to the, the customers that you guys serve you know, a lot of times you hear these companies and brands talk about culture fit and I'm like, yeah, but look at your CEO. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, some, sometimes it's aligned and sometimes it's not. And you guys are, are really very much aligned. Uh, by the way, I was just looking at, at Vinny's, um, uh, at his, uh, account, his follower account and he's 600,000 yeah. and you were saying, you know, and didn't pay a dollar. Isn't it great? It's funny how living in that world now where um, we, we have actually have to say that. Like I've had people who are like, oh, you know, 128,000. I'm like, yeah, by the way, that's organic. There was no bots. It's where that we have to actually now address that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that was organic, by the way, just, you know, doing really great work. Right. Um, so I think it, I think it's cool that you guys, you know, were able to do that. And, you know, so um, how about like in terms of management styles, right? So culture fit not a problem, right? Um, we, we've got kind of an idea of, of, of the culture we want to create. And now we start moving and we start creating it. Management style. As an entrepreneur, that's not always an easy thing. Um, some either, from what I've experienced and knowing also a little bit about myself, some want just, like, like for me, I want insanely smarter people in each of these areas around me that I can just be like, do it so much better than I, I can. Like, here's what I've created. Now, can you please just run with it even stronger, but I'll be here to like checks and balance. Like I'll, I'm here to like, to work off of like, Hey, you know, what do you think of this? Oh, I love it. You know, or maybe even it motivates you, but I love smarter people because the last thing I want to do is micromanage. But I also know that there's a lot of people out there that they want to be led. Like they've got insane talent, but they want to be led. So there's definitely, there is a balance of, I want to be your mentor, but I want to give you room to breathe, to grow and just be awesome 
at what you do because you're better at it than me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But so there's a, there's a fine balance with man- management and leadership. And I'd love to get your take on this. And I know that you've probably gone on a tear on this before, so feel free. <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean, the first point is like the way you just outlined your management style. That's actually very rare. I think a lot of people have um, ego tied up in kind of being the boss sort of thing and being the best. And it's it's pretty rare that I see entrepreneurs actively trying to hire people better than them. You know, sometimes, A, it's a capital restriction, but oftentimes, you know, it's, it's threatening to someone's ego to hire people better than them, right? So I would say because you're, you're self-aware and you think about these things, you're introspective, like you've crossed that bridge, but that's, that's a bridge not a lot of entrepreneurs actually cross. So that's number one. Number two is I think everyone's style is different. And for me, I've, I've really, I feel now, especially coming to my own as, as a manager and leader, um, I think there's, there's the one thing I'm going to riff on for a sec is so many people coming out of university right now want to be business owners and want to be entrepreneurs like right out of the gate. But the reality is until you've actually had a job and like learned what a good boss is, what a bad boss is, like I've had twice in my life that I've been fired from jobs and it fucking sucks. But if I hadn't been fired and like one of them was a total blindside, if I hadn't been fired and understood like the emotional roller coaster that takes somebody on, to just like lose their livelihood at the press of a switch. Like I would be a much uh, more probably blunt and ineffective leader. Um, So I think there's a lot of management nuance that actually can get developed by working at a company and like working under bosses. And that's just, you know, one piece of advice if you're a younger listener is like, don't, don't get wrapped up in hype of having to be an entrepreneur. Like when you, you know, day one at a university, there's so much value for an entrepreneur to go and work at a corporation and learn processes and learn systems. And I think, you know, that's something where if I hadn't probably spent my first four or five years working for other people of my career uh, before starting my detox, I think uh, there would be a lot less process and a lot less systems thinking that goes into how we build the company. So that's, that's a main point. And then the last thing is just like, be real. I think, especially if you're managing um, millennials right now, we just have such a low tolerance for bullshit and mm-hmm. like authenticity. Like when I look forward to the next five, 10, 15 years of like what companies will become generational companies versus companies that are here for two years to make a buck, like authenticity to the mission is everything. And you know, we, we spoke about culture and how that, that stems from the top. It's, it's totally true. Like you cannot, you know, if, if we're building a healthcare company and I'm out in the back smoking cigarettes, like there's just such a disconnect on that. And I think there's like a level of authenticity that when team members see that, um, they resonate and they'll, they'll work harder because they see you're walking the talk. And, you know, Vin and I are both like some of the hardest working people in the company and we will put hour after hour after hour in. And there's just, you know, people rally around that versus if we were trying to just chill and, you know, take vacay all the time and, you know, we're really trying to push the team. Um, it's just so much more hard, uh, more difficult to get buy-in from the team with that. So I think those are just some of my principles. I just think, you know, patience, you know, leading by example, making sure like you, you leave your ego at the door. Um, the, the main, you know, when we think about training our, our clinic directors and our managers in our locations, the main framework we think about is servant leadership. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you've gone down that rabbit hole too much, but um, you know, the, the real goal of servant leadership is kind of flipping the pyramid and realizing like as leaders and CEOs and founders, we're here to serve our people. And then the, you know, our people will serve the customers. So our number one uh, priority is, you know, investors third, customers second, team members first. 
And always, 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 when we think about decisions we make internally, it's about the career longevity. It's about preventing therapist burnout. It's about supporting the team members to like be in their best mindset and health so that they're able to then deliver the, the Mighty Hubs product the way we want it done. Now, I'm not trying to alienate our elder contemporaries, but it would be nice if we had this conversation within corporate America of the, of, of, previous generations I, and now i'm not i'm not saying that they because there's some amazing incredible leaders we learned from from previous generations and this generation also is still learning it as well too but what you just said about servant leadership i think is spot on i i mean if we serve the people that we keep around us and that then pours over into them serving the customer then the people who you mentioned over a third the investors are probably the happiest of all of them because you now have a thriving, sustainable company, mm-hmm. you know, but I feel like the numbers side, numbers, 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 you're like, you know how you get to numbers? You help a shit ton of customers. You know how you help a lot of customers? You take care of your team that's going to do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, Dude, and especially in a service-based business, like that is, that is so key. Um, and I think what's exciting is like, we're seeing this slowly change. I think over the next 10 to 15 years, um, I was on a leadership retreat last weekend with, uh, some friends of mine, one of which is leading a a pretty significant change in the banking industry in Canada. And I think just like some of the concepts that came up for us is like how excited we are looking at the companies of the future where like diversity, for example, is not going to be used as, you know, a notation in a shareholder letter, it's like the best companies will win on diversity, right? Because that's like the fabric of the company. And I just think there's like a huge shift happening in leadership styles that I'm seeing with these younger CEOs coming up. And as the next decade to call 15 years rolls out and we start to move into more leadership positions, whether that's in politics or government or um, corporations that, that are really positioned to create change, I think we're gonna see some really exciting um, changes across the board in leadership styles. Like even for us, like I, I hate the word boss. I don't think that's ever been used in our right. company like since existence. I look at every single person in our company as a partner. And yeah. I look at them as like, we're chasing this thing together and let's figure out how to get the roadblocks out of your way. Let's figure out how to get the resources you need to execute, right? If you have health issues or you're having family issues, like let's give you the time off to sort that out and you know, make sure you're bringing your best self to work. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, like compared to, traditional corporate America right now, it's, it's just like a meat grinder and it does not preserve people's mental health. It doesn't take care of their well-being. Um, and I think this new generation of CEOs coming up is realizing like, if you get those things right, everything else takes care of itself. Yeah. You know, I, I probably, you're absolutely right, by the way, I, I probably should even stress too, because uh, again, I, I, I love all generations. And I love all age groups. I mean, that I, I think we're all on a journey. We all each, each generation anyways has a, um, <laughs> you know, all kinds of quirks to it, right? But um, I, what I guess what I like to stress is because you're right about this, the newer generation of CEOs had to learn from the traditional route. Some were great. There were a lot of not so great, especially what you, you uh, touched on with the mental wellness and the kind of granted out kind of mentality that's that was just basically ending up um people were abusing themselves in a lot of ways to now saying okay there has to be a change in how this is done so there's actually also a lot of responsibility in 
the newer generation coming up in leadership and management roles. And it's not to be taken lightly either. Like it's actually a lot of responsibility because that that's how we end up, you know, running businesses and the country and, and, you know, and it's people, <laughs> you know, all across Dude, the board. That's, right. That's what keeps me up at night right now because the old, like we learned a lot about systems and process and structure and hierarchy. Like that's what the generation that came before us taught us. But the problem is they put profits over people. They put profits over environment, right? There's profits over everything. And now this new breed of CEOs coming up, we're left with the mess. And not only are we realizing we build much greater companies when we put people first, but you know, on a personal note, I just think corporations and institutions have the ability to shift the world quickly, whether that's on climate change or um, you know, many of the other issues going on versus the individual. So I think there is a huge responsibility on today's CEOs to be thinking far beyond profit. We, you know, I, I'm, we're, let's go on the tear on this for a minute, because I think it's a very important topic because, <laughs> again, like what, what I think, um, just for any of our older listeners, you, you have to understand the, the paradox here. Um, so on one, uh, one hand, you guys created some of the most amazing things and within there too were some of the most amazing um disasters and and issues now the issue with that is that a new generation is having to also take care of those things maybe not yet maybe not yet maybe the the you know the training wheels are still on but like it's starting to happen because we're you know <laughs> there's a health crisis, economic crises, like all these different, you know, there's all these different uh, environmental <laughs> um, things that you have to understand that sooner or later you will not be here and this generation will be. So it's, a di- it's just a different playing field and it's probably no different than that generation when they were young and the, their previous generation, but there was a lot of symmetry between those two. Like the war babies and the baby boomers, there was a lot between those two that were very similar um, in that whole industrial revolution and, and, but the information age is a, is a completely different beast, um, and a yep. different group. So, but you, but you're right. Like there's the, it's just the understanding of like, and then, you know, I remember when I used to talk with some people about the whole, um, like inflation, they say, oh, well, you know, school was expensive for us back then. I'm like, you paying a thousand dollars and us paying a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars is actually not the same thing. I was like, and not only that, I was like, and I get it back then a thousand was a lot. I was like, but keep in mind like we live in a different time. And so um, if there's higher cost of health care, higher cost of living, higher cost of food, which we also have to get organic because the food is crap. And then there's a higher cost of education. And there's a higher cost of all this other stuff. But if you look at what people make salary-wise has not actually, I mean, if you're talking about the whole minimum wage and all that other stuff, has not actually changed too much. There's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of effing problems going on. <laughs> like the inflation is out of control when you really, when you actually look at the, the true like macro and microeconomics like situation. I, I, I'm not going to tell you, the, uh, this is me telling you and this is your thing that you've done for some long. Uh, but dude, it's, look, it's, it's a complex uh, ball of yarn. And, you know, relating this back to culture now is like, I think especially when you think about recruiting and hiring and onboarding people into your company, like they need to know what you stand for. Yes. Way, way beyond like money cool, we're all here to make money, that's fine. But like, there are layers to this. And I think if you're trying to build like a generational company that's gonna be here two decades from now or three decades from now, like you need to approach 
how you communicate your values to your team in a much different way than if you're just trying to arbitrage something on Amazon uh, dropshipping for the next six months while you see a gap in the market. But it's just like, if you're trying to solve real complex problems, which I think is where the best businesses will be built from, um, it takes a lot of introspection as a CEO to like figure out like what do you stand for, right? And why are you waking up every day like putting your efforts to this? That's true. It's absolutely true. And and that and I think that that's and 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 across all boards uh, the, uh, in any generation, companies that are leading like that right now, I, I think that they're um, it's what people are are mostly interested in. Like, hey, um, I know you're interviewing me for the job, but I'd like to interview you for the environment, right? Like, I want to know yep. why I'm coming into you. Like, I know, like, you want to know if I have the skill sets and what my thought processes are. But I want to know with you, like, you know, what do you stand for? What are your morals? Like, and how do you lead with those? And what do you, you know, what are the things that matter to you most in what this company is trying to impact in, you know, society? And how will I be a part of that? How will I be contributing to that in some way? Or will I just be a number? You know, could you imagine if the interview process went a lot more like that? <laughs> if you had Dude, but that's, you know. More and more, that's what we're trying to do is that as we put out our marketing materials, as we put out brand videos around some of our success stories, um, we're really trying to highlight people's growth and highlight the values at every level of the company. And that's, that's changing the interview process. It's changing the caliber of the candidate that we're attracting. And that's, you know, that's a never ending thing for every company and every entrepreneur right now. Like you need to be broadcasting those values constantly. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I mean, and I think that that, that messaging uh, exponentially compounds when you when you broadcast it constantly, and it leaves it for a lot of transparency because oh, you're you're holding yourself accountable, and the and the world's holding you accountable to it. You know, um, especially in this transparent world we live in now. Because if you don't, um, sooner or later, it 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 the topic will come up. It will come up. You know, so. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, by the way, uh, just because I, I love what you guys are doing, but you know, I would love for you to explain a little bit more too, um, like what Myo Detox, um, you know, kind of focuses on and, um, what you guys are becoming known for mostly. Well, in yeah. all the things that you guys do, just because I, I know, uh, cause I'm, I'm familiar with Myo Detox, uh, from several people and, um, you know, and, but I just, I want you to kind of go a little expand on that. Yeah. When you're uh, in LA in a couple of weeks, gotta get you into the, the West Hollywood clinic for a sesh, but um, the, the very basic premise of why this started was the therapy industry was broken. It was completely catering to medical reimbursement rates, insurance companies, and it created a business model that was almost like an insurance mill. So a therapist would see four people per hour. They might see you for 10 minutes, see how you're doing, slap an ice pack on, slap a ultrasound on, and you'd get handed off to an assistant. So one of the things that really resonated with me when I met Vin was he spent the full hour with me. Like it wasn't like he was the authority and I was like the broken patient. It was like, where it's like on a human to human level, like what's going on with my body and teach me about that. And that was like the base level of, can we change how people relate to the industry and realize like, can we roll out a model that's no machines, no assistance, you're one-on-one -on -one with a therapist. So it's just like take away all the bullshit. And I feel like in many ways we've checked that box We've got a rollout plan to do 60 to 70 stores over the next five years. Um, you know, super stoked with kind of the progress of that business. But that just gets us to chapter two. Chapter two for me is no matter how successful the business is in North America, it's kind of in incremental progress. If people really need help here, 
they can go find a great therapist. There's a lot of amazing clinics out there um, and they can do that. But what has never happened is there's never been like a unified team that's been able to take some of the best therapists in the world and start to deploy them in third world countries. So something we did most recently was we sent some of our therapists over to Lagos, Nigeria, and we trained for two weeks. We trained almost 100 physiotherapists in Lagos about kind of leading uh, manual therapy and corrective exercise techniques for them to support their local communities. Mm. And we've got a few other trips lined up, including uh, working with the Jamaica Physiotherapy Association. So we'll be sending some, some therapists down there shortly. But what gets me excited around you know, thinking about the impact we can have 10 years from now is if you look at Africa as an example, the amount of children that have a very minor injury that gets in the way of them walking to school, you know, helping support the family farm, et cetera, and they end up having an early death or getting discarded by their family is like astronomical. And it's so easy to fix that when you have the right technically trained people in these villages. But the challenge is, you know, there, there really has not been an organized way to deploy that education. So that's in the long term, we're going to build a great consumer brand. We're going to build a great business. And, you know, especially in the L.A.s, the SFs, the New Yorks, the Denvers, the Seattles, like we want people to come in and have a clinic experience that isn't a grudge purchase. They should walk in and be like, this is sick. Like, I want to come here. This is my tribe. This is my community. This is how I keep my body in the best version possible, you know, for as long as possible. But I think the, the, the second order consequence of me building that and you know, the, the team building that is that we then have hundreds of incredible therapists that we can like deploy all around the world to solve healthcare issues. And physical therapy, like people should not be going to their GP for lower back pain, right? It's such a burden on the healthcare That's system true. versus you know, working with a physical therapist to, to put together more of a lifestyle plan. So there's, there's a lot of other problems we're looking to solve, but like that's the most direct kind of mission that we're on right now. So to tie it in, did you, with the vision, did you ever think, did you ever think about that way back at the beginning and that now this is an no, actual dude. possibility? Because it's amazing, by the way, it's amazing what you're doing. And I, I, you often wonder where in the journey does that all of a sudden pop in and become this passionate driver for um, being, you know, for, for doing this. And it, and you often, I wonder is, is it because once you get to a place where it's possible or, or once you get to a place where you know it's possible and it starts to work its way into the vision. But I mean, it's incredible what you guys are doing. So did you, did you ever think that you'd be doing this way back at the beginning? <laughs> no, look, I think the passion was always there, but it was this like very ambiguous feeling that I should be doing something bigger, mm, right? And I felt go. like there was a way that I could impact the world more than you know, selling telecom infrastructure. And as we started going, like, but like the reality is from day one of the business, I was like, if I go back in time and say, okay, how was my mindset like when I started with Ben? And it was like, hey, if I can make five to 10K a month and I can be location A dependent and chill in Thailand while the business is working, like that would be sick. And then like, you know, a year further and more mature maturity as you go through your, your mid twenties, you know, the vision expanded even more. And then I think really the last two years for me, um, as the team started just growing and developing and I saw to me, like a company is almost a vehicle for personal development. And that's what we were able to build here. Like I look at people, they come in contact with our company and like six months down the line, 12 months down the line, like they are like levels above where they came into the ecosystem. And that got me really excited. And it's just, you know, back to, I think our very first topic we talked about on this, 
podcast, like the further you go, the further you can see, like the seed was there, but you know, it takes time for these, these opportunities to come up. But when you're ready and you put in the discipline and you, you know, you're, you're thinking big enough, like you start to see these opportunities everywhere and it starts to really form. So it's been, it's been very, very satisfying watching things play out. Yeah, no, I, and I appreciate that honesty. You know, it's like, yeah, when we start off, you think it's going to be this. Um, but what's interesting is that's how impact also works too, because you start doing really right by people um, and that expands and suddenly so too does the vision. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, um, have you ever thought about this? Or like, you know, you get these signs, you get these different people that come in or you're like, Hey, by the way, you know, I wish you were in this location. Cause then, you know, you could help this and this. And it's just interesting totally. how we, where we start and where we finish are two drastically different places and that flexibility of not tying yourself to how it should be, but to allow it to, you know, to, to evolve is, uh, is incredible. Um, what do you guys have coming up next? Like what's, what's in the pipeline or, you, you know, you guys have any, you know, anything new, like new launches or, or just anything in general coming up that's exciting? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So we just, um, just opened our fifth clinic up in Vancouver. It was up there. We can have to go and team is just on fire up there. Um, over the next, basically coming into the end of next year, we've got three more units. We'll be opening in LA. Uh, we'll be getting open in San Francisco coming into uh, probably middle of next year. And then Q4 next year, we'll, have our first store in New York. Um, so we're just really fired up about like building the first consumer brand in the physical therapy space. Mm. It's always been a very traditional, uh, you know, healthcare space. And for us, it's like, let's just make this fucking cool. Like we want people to get so fired up about like taking care of themselves and like every factor that goes into that, everything from culture and some of the collabs we're doing, um, you know, as you mentioned, some of the brand partnerships like Nike and Equinox and SoulCycle, like it's, it's been so fun to be able to collab with Nike, for example, at the Boston Marathon, and we're the first therapy company to ever do stuff with them at that scale. Um, Vin actually just got on the Nike Performance Council, so he'll be, um, he'll be setting a lot of the direction for the recovery space uh, via that role with Nike and be able to like really work with all the master trainers around the world. So we're just, I think we're just super fired up to like keep going down this path. And as the brand grows, we have more cool opportunities coming our way and more opportunities to make an impact. Um, like last a couple of days ago, I was on the call with the Ministry of Health in Tanzania, you know, talking about how we can help support rural community initiatives. And like, it's wild, man. It's a lot of fun. It's just, I think there's, there's a lot of joy right now in like the not knowing what's to come. Like we've got a trajectory and we've got, you know, kind of that five year plan, which, you know, we'll, we'll get there, but like, the vast majority of my time is spent working with the team and just watching things un- unravel and it's, uh, or sorry, continue to roll forward. Um, and it's really fun. It feels like, feels like I'm just watching a movie every day and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's stressful. There's crazy shit that happens every day, but it's just like when I zoom out, it's, it's just such a, a fun experience to be a part of. I get to wake up pretty much with my best friends every day and, and talk about big ideas and how we're going to keep moving the needle on this. No, I think that's that's amazing too. By the way, but I, I and I really like the fact that you said um, like making it cool for people to want to care about their health um, because <clears throat> I sometimes feel like maybe the I, I've been paying attention to the last like three four years. I think I first started with like a nutritionist and then it just kind of expanded from there. And it's still very early in my journey from what I how I feel about it. But for the most part, um, what I think happens with a lot of people is it just seems like there's so many barriers. So they don't even real like they don't they almost associate it with, 
yeah, it's work. I get it. Everything's work, but oof, I really don't want to do it to like it becoming a cool thing. Like, oh, wow. Like, um, I'm, I'm getting to know my body and work on it and, um, I can live freer, more flexible without pain, healthier, intuitive eating, you know, lifestyle. Like I can actually breathe a minute and, and feel good in the process. And I think that, I mean, that's a, that's a big mission to, to get people to, um, find it cool to work on themselves, on their body and, and their health. Uh, and I think that if, you know, you can break down those barriers, which it sounds like you guys are already doing, uh, then that's, that's pretty massive, bro. <laughs> that's a pretty massive thing yeah, that you guys dude. are doing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's exciting. And look, you know, this is where having great partners comes in. Like without Vin, you know, being <laughs> double arm sleeve, tatted up, doing a thing with the actors, celebrities, uh, promoters, like it's, it's just such a fun opportunity to be able to like stand at this moment in time while social media gives us this huge platform and to be able to shout from the rooftops like this can be a part of your life and it, it doesn't have to be um something you resent i just think health is like on such a wave right now and like the next five to ten years like it is like the cool thing to do and like status symbols nobody gives a shit about the cars and the houses and the watches anymore it's like do you look good do you feel good do you carry yourself well are you a kind person like these, to me, this is the currency that starts to become more important. And I'm just excited to be, you know, a part of that in our own, our own little way. Dude, I love that. It's true right there, right? Like nobody, I mean, I know people listen to us, but like, oh, okay, guys, say whatever you want. But like, uh, I agree. Like nobody really cares. I mean, yeah, okay, cool. You'll have your, your five minutes with your Lambo. But like, God forbid you die tomorrow. That's it. Like anything else? Anything else you wanted to share with us? Anything you're leaving behind? Somebody's gonna take over your car payment or your car or whatever. Like that's it. Like versus, like orchestrating a massive health uh, initiative and you know making people's lives better. They remember that shit. Like I don't know. We're just. I think we're living in a cool time where it's 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 shifting. Um, at least I I like to think that it's shifting. And more people are like, yeah, no, that's cool over there. But over here, you know, um, dude, right? It's let, let me tell you, I have one last story before we wrap up. So let me tell you about my R8 story. So I don't know if you, you saw like Iron Man way back when. I think like every male saw the first Iron Man and saw right. Tony Stark like riding the R8 and they're like, fuck, that's the car I want. Right. And I went through that and like for, for like a decade, my dream car was an R8. I'm like, you know what, when I make it, I'm going to get this R8, whatever. And um, I have a good friend of mine. He, so I, I just moved down to LA and a friend of mine um, has an exotic car rental agency and I've been helping him on the back end with some consulting. Um, and my dad was coming down to visit. So I'm like, you know what? I want to surprise my dad with like, he's big into cars. I want to surprise him with an R8, and, like drive him out to Malibu. I just know like, we're not going to have that much time together. Um, so I get this crazy kitted out R8, you know, 250K car, 2000, uh, 2018 V10 is sick. And my buddy gives it, gives it to me for a week and I started driving this thing around LA and like, I was so stoked and it's so fun to drive on the highway. And then I pulled into the city and I'm stopping at a stoplight and like 50 people are looking at me. And then I go and pick my girlfriend up from her office and she comes out and we hug and it was just, she kind of looked at me and I kind of looked at her and we're like, this feels wrong. And I like looked down and this like lady on the street, like was looking at her getting in the car my girlfriend gets pissed off. She's like, I don't want to be that girl. And like through that week, I had this like these successive experiences of like pulling up to a light and like looking over and there's three homeless guys like laying there. And I'm just like, fuck, I feel like a douche. And like, is this really the best use of 
you know, capital as I continue to you know get wealthier through life. And it just, it was so interesting because that was the car I always wanted. And by the end of that week, like I could not wait to give it back. And like, since then I've just, you know, I've always been a minimalist and like never been chasing money or stuff. But like, it was just such an interesting experience when you start to realize like it, it is so fleeting and it is so empty, like chasing that stuff. And I just feel so settled. Like I don't have a car in LA and I'm super happy. I like work in the back of Ubers and Life is good. <laughs> Although it's easy in a place like uh, New York and LA where you can, yeah, Uber everywhere. <clears throat> I'm in Scottsdale. You can Uber, but it's like everything's far. <laughs> so you got to yeah. drive. Like, but, but you know, I, totally. I, I, I love the lesson. And like, so one, one footnote there is like, I don't begrudge anyone. Like people have their cars and they're a lot of fun to drive, but it's just like, like look at your values and it's like, if you truly don't want that, then don't chase it. Like don't, don't let right. other people right. tell you that's what you, you should be chasing. Right. No, I, I like the, the, the bigger lesson. Absolutely what you're saying. The bigger lesson, like the cars are fine. It's the intent behind it. Like if you're chasing it, thinking it's going to do something for you, then when you get it, it it's going to show you, nah, not so much. But if you get it as a byproduct of like, look, I mean, you got all this money. Everybody else has come first for so long and you just want something for yourself and, you know, to test it out for a while, go for it. Like, I mean, as long as you're not attached and there's an intention of like, I need to get this, I must chase this. Um, but for the yeah. most part, I, I completely feel you. It's like, um, you know, I think that's just the, 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 the minimalist of like, Hey, I like, what, what can I do with this money? That's actually what, what's, yeah. what's changed with me as I, I mature and get older. It's like, what can I do with this? Like what, and how am I going to impact and where am I going to reinvest it? And, and where can I help? And, um, that that feeling that's addicting um so you know i don't know i mean i i get it everybody everybody's journey is different but like i i'm in agreement with you i totally get it man um where can people find you online if they want to interact with you and get in touch with you yeah so i think instagram's our platform uh companies at my og talks and then my personal instagram is scott mark m-a-r-k-k um happy to chat business with anyone i clearly love this shit and super passionate about it so uh, feel free to DM me or you can always email me at uh, scott at myodetox.com. Awesome, brother, man. Uh, listen, really appreciate having you on. Uh, so many great things that you said in this episode that I literally want to put on replay, replay and repeat for everybody. So, um, you know, you're welcome back on anytime. You know how the, the, the tradition here goes. Uh, it's a journey-driven podcast. So uh, you want to come on three months, six months from now, a year from now, you're, it, you're, you're welcome back. And we can pick a whole other set of topics. I'm sure we can go on a, on a tear on a few. Um, so I really appreciate having you on, man. Dude, well, thank you. I'm a, such a huge fan. I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. So it's a real privilege to be able to chat with you and hopefully we link up in a few weeks in LA. Awesome, brother. Uh, sit down for just one second. I'll kind of you here offline in a second, but for everybody listening, um, so check out, you can check out Scott on Instagram, uh, at Scott Mark, S C O T T M A R K K. Uh, Scott Marcasio, uh, co-founder and CEO of MyoDetox. You can check out at MyoDetox on Instagram, MyoDetox.com. Uh, Toronto, Vancouver, LA, and then you've got New York coming up and then San Francisco. Do you, are you already in San Francisco? No, real estate is signed. We'll start construction. So by next summer, uh, summer 2020, should be open. All right, perfect. So just follow along hit him up in the dm or on his wall like you know i always tell the community like go go and be polite be respectful because <laughs> these people are busy but uh but you know we're all here for you as a as a community as a whole so scott really appreciate having you on sit tight for one second um so everybody listening appreciate you guys go check out scott marcasio uh myo detox uh as for myself matt gosman and for the house of Souls separately we appreciate you we are out